Right. Hello there, everyone. We are glad that you are here joining us for the eFree podcast again this week. Uh, my name is Jim. Pastor Ryan is on vacation, enjoying some time out in Colorado. And so I've got Seth with us again, two weeks in a row that Seth is getting to join us. Boy, you uh, come into youth ministry and we're just diving you right into all this, aren't we? Love it. Never thought I'd hear myself on a podcast, but hey, ton of fun. It's good to be in the house. Right. So this past week, uh, we covered the whole chapter um, in the book of Acts of chapter three. There is a lot within this passage. And that's why it's kind of fun to be able to have a podcast because we can maybe take some time to look at some things maybe that we didn't get to really look at mm. on, on Sunday morning um, because you only have so much time to, to dive into that. And so this is the deeper dive where we can look a little bit more. So maybe Seth, we could just start things out by saying, as you've had 24 hours now to reflect on Acts chapter three, uh, what stood out to you the most? What was something that really, um, that really spoke to you? Yeah, so man, this is a really powerful passage. It's really cool that man. As as I was reading through this, there's just so much um, that is happening here, um, and uh, and I and I just uh, there's just a number of things. So first off, Peter and John, right? They're kind of like the pastors of this early church, right? Uh, two of the twelve, they're going on up to the temple at the hour of prayer. Um, ninth hour, so probably about 3 p.m., right, to go and um, meet with the body of Christ and pour into them and, and, and pray uh, in the temple during the assignment. And as they're on their way up there, they end up seeing this man who's lame from birth. And, and I think that's significant because when we look at Jesus' life, Jesus was someone who noticed people. He was someone who did, you know, people that were often overlooked, um, Jesus took notice of. Uh, in Luke 13, 12, it says that uh, Jesus uh, saw, when Jesus saw her, referring to a woman who was, uh, had a disabling spirit and had been bent over for 18 years, you know, Jesus saw her. In Luke 17, 14, um, as, as Jesus is walking, he ends up seeing uh, 10 lepers and he ends up healing them. And here we have these two pastors, right, who are on their way to church. They they have somewhere they need to be. They're 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 headed up to the temple for the hour of worship to meet with the body of believers, and they see this man who is lame from birth. And it was just a reminder to me, like, man, am I so caught up in my work that I overlook mm. people? Mm. Am I so busy trying to get things done that I forget about those whom God has put along my path? Because at the end of the day, what matters most is people. Um, it's, it's those right. relationships. And so I was just, I was just really encouraged to recognize that man, Jesus really replicated or really set an example of that for them. And then here we see in verse four that Peter directs his gaze at him, right? Like he right. takes notice of him and fixes his eyes on him. So I guess that was one of the biggest things, uh, that I noticed. And then also just, um, something that I don't, you don't see it as much in the ESV as you do in the NASB, but I'll mention this second thing is that it says that this was a man who is lame from birth. And the way the NASB puts it is that this is a man who is lame from his mother's womb. Um, and so being a, you know, like, like I, I just try and put myself, man, in, in, in the shoes of that family, like, like what would we do if we had a son who was lame, you know, especially in a time where a lot of times life was kind of cheap. It wasn't, it wasn't valued very highly. What did this mom think, you know, as she's, as she's nursing her infant son, you know, with his lame legs, like what did she think would come of his life? What was, what was her hopes for him? Um, you know, how did she deal with the looks that other people, you know, might give her when they recognize, oh, yep, her son 
can't walk? Did that cause them to, to belittle um, his life in their eyes? And I just wondered, did she have any idea how God was going to use her son to glorify his name? That someday this would be a young man who, um, who through God healing him would prepare the way for multiple people to hear the gospel, to believe in Jesus, um, and find forgiveness in his name. That this, as you said, that the spiritually lame would be able to walk. Um, did she have any idea what God was doing through the life of her little son um, and how he'd accomplish it? You know, the disciples in John chapter 9, when they ended up seeing a man who was born blind, they asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not this man who sinned nor his parents, but so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And Jesus would go on to heal this man who was born blind. And, you know, as a father who has a son with a, a with a disability, just really encourages me. Right. Helps me recognize, like, man, God has a plan. Right. And I may not see it. I may not know what's coming. But, man, he is going to use it for his glory. He wastes no life, no human life. And it's just so encouraging to see that in this passage. Right. Yeah, even uh, it's in it's in chapter four where it says in verse 22, for the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Yeah. So like, I don't know why they, they necessarily put that in there. Maybe just to indicate mm. that this guy has been this way for a really long time. And I'm yeah. guessing 40 in this day mm. might have been fairly old oh, yeah. uh, just because of the lifespan was not um, all that long. And so to say, this guy's been in this condition for a really long time, mm. you know, and to think that and I think it shows one how totally helpless that he was like this guy was never going to get healed. Yeah. Like he was never going to get better. Mm. You know, he's been this way his whole life. And then at this moment, you know, Peter didn't heal him when he was 20, you know, didn't heal him when he was 30, heal him when he was 40 and go and to think of the fact that really there's probably two healings that took place in this moment yeah right? mm-hmm. he was physically healed and i would say by his response of leaping and praising god he was spiritually healed at the mm. same time you know the, these two healings that you would say this was not a wasted life mm. to say even though he was in this condition 40 years a majority of his life that yep. you would not say this was not a wasted life and i think mm. like that says something into our suffering right that yeah that we may suffer 40 years in, in our own way, in whatever situation we may be dealing with, and that God can come in and intervene at that point and say, but it's still not a wasted life because God is glorified. Mm. He is seen as, as great and powerful and beautiful to do this work. And you see this guy, he's leaping, he's excited. Mm. He is totally like overwhelmed with joy that he's been healed. He's not looking at going, man, why didn't this happen to me 20 years ago? Mm. You know? And so I think that's a great point to think about how do we, like this does teach us some about suffering, doesn't it? It does. And how God works in suffering as well. Uh, And to your first point too, that you said earlier, we should never allow ourselves to get too busy that we neglect people, mm. right? I mean, last week I was pretty behind in my sermon prep and I had someone stop in on Thursday afternoon to want to visit with me. And he could tell that I was, I was, you know, a little stressed because I was a little behind. But you know what? I didn't say, hey, you know what? Why don't you come back next week? I said, hey, you're here. Come on in. Stop and talk to me. Because investing in people, the sermon will get done. Um, but investing in people is always so important, right? And that's that's always a good le- lesson to continue to be learned. Is like, it's okay to be inconvenienced. 
Oh yeah. For the sake of ministering to people. Oh yeah. You know, that's so more important. And I need to remember that in, in every situation, like for me, especially like, um, and being able to minister to my neighbors. Hmm. No, there's a lot of times I think, you know, I've worked all day. I'm coming home. I'm here now to see my family. You know, I'm not going to be able to see them very long because they might be off to school activities or whatnot. Um, and so that I can see, you know, a neighbor or someone outside. And I'm like, nope, I don't have time for this. I got other stuff that I got to focus on. Mm. And I think and I think that's probably my number one excuse when it comes to to mission is it's just an inconvenience for me. Mm. And to like let this passage here inform me in that to say, you know what? It's okay. I'm going to be inconvenienced. I'm going to go invest in people. That's an important thing to do. Mm. And then watch what God does through that, right? right. Because right. this quote-unquote inconvenient moment for them, and God ends up using as a major platform to draw people to him. And I just wonder how often, um, man, we miss out on opportunities to really proclaim the gospel in a powerful way because we overlook people to accomplish um, activities, um, right. to get done what I have on my little to-do list. Right. And I think you, you're you right. We have to recognize, man, like the ministry is people. Right. We're called to minister to people. Right, exactly. Well, anything else? We've kind of started off with the healing itself. Anything else you want to uh, uh, touch base on with the healing before we move into the actual sermon that Peter preaches? Uh, I guess one thing that you just mentioned on Sunday that I think is really good is that you know, th- this man is looking to them for financial support, right? He's looking to them for money, and instead he ends up finding healing in Jesus' name. Um, it's just that, you know, what Hebrews hits on again and again is that Jesus is better. Jesus is mm. greater. Mm. Um, he's so much better than anything else right. uh, that we can find in life. I'm reminded of the paralyzed man in John chapter 5 who'd been paralyzed for 38 years, right? Jesus asked him if he, if he wants to be healed, and he's like, I don't have anyone to, like, carry me into the water, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's like, he's wanting someone to carry him into the water where it's believed that an angel would touch it and it'd be sturdy. He's like, I need someone to get me to that. When the, when the God whom angels worship is standing before him, right? right? And, right. And, is, and is offering him healing. It's just like, I wonder how often we're like, God, just give me this. Like, I right. just want this one little thing. And when what he has for us is so much better than that. Um, and so, uh, man, I thought that was significant. And then just recognizing the power of our God, that mm-hmm. he has all power to heal. It's in Jesus' name that this lame man is able to walk um, is able to stand. You think about how much his legs would have atrophied from never using them, and the fact that he's able to stand up and he begins leaping and stuff. And he may be a little off balance. You know, it says that he clung to Peter and John, so maybe he's still <laughs> figuring it out. But to see the instantaneous strengthening that God gave his legs, like God has complete power over life to accomplish whatever he wants. And that caused everyone to look on in wonder and amazement. And that same God has not lost any of his power. He still lives today. Right, right. Yeah, that was convicting for me to think about how many times do I short shortchange Jesus mm. and <laughs> excuse me and what I think he can do, um, and to to go. Yeah, we do have a really powerful God, and he can do something really amazing in this situation. Mm. So let's not be afraid to ask for him to do something really, really big because he has the ability to do something really, really big. Mm. So. Yeah, I think that was good. That was really good, too. 
All right, well, let's dive into the sermon itself. Peter goes into this incredible Christ-centered sermon. So I don't know if we want to like, you know, it is kind of broken down into two sections. So maybe is there anything that you saw like in, in the first section, which would be in 12 through 16 that really stood out to you? And then maybe we could come back and hit the second half of the sermon there. So maybe we'll start up front and then work our way down. Sure. Um, I think it's interesting how often we look to people uh, when when God's work is on display, right? Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Verse 12. Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we made him walk, right? God done this awesome work through them, and then people are thinking, wow, they must be like some super powerful or super pious people that this happened. Right. And they're like, you're missing it. Like, right. It's all about Christ. Um, and I, and I just, I think that's so important for us. I just got back from an awesome conference, you know, G3. We went and heard just some really powerful preaching there, but it's so easy for us to focus on the preacher mm. instead of on who they're preaching about, which is Christ. Hmm. Right, and they're asking this: Why do you why do you stare at us as though by our own power of piety we made him walk? Like we need to be a people who recognize, man, who is truly awesome, who is truly glorious, who is the one who truly healed this man, and that is Jesus. Right, and so I I, I really think that that's significant, um, man. Just looking at this, but then also that he talks about one thing that stuck out to me. Um, is that he talks about in verse 14, how you denied the holy and the righteous one and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you, right? How it's, uh, and I think that has reference to Barabbas when, right. Um, when, right, they could ask for either Jesus to be released or for Barabbas to be released and how they ended up choosing a murderer. They ended up choosing Barabbas so that the son of God would be condemned. And it just, rem- it just made me wonder, like, man, how often do I do that? How often do I exchange the truth of God for a lie? How often do I exchange, um, man, fellowship with God for fellowship with the darkness? Um, I mean, that gets back to the Garden of Eden, right? They could Mm -hmm. choose to have fellowship with God and be obedient to his command, or they could choose to try and become God themselves to to turn away from him. And, And so often we exchange, man, the, the author of life, the holy and the righteous one, um, for a murderer. And we do this in ignorance, right? As it goes on later to say, because we don't recognize who's really standing before us. Right. We don't know how good, and because if Israel recognized who Jesus was, they wouldn't have turned him in, um, for, for traded him for a murderer. And so I'm just like, man, do I really see Jesus for who he is, that he truly is the Messiah, that he, that there is power in his name for healing, that he is worthy of my worship, um, so that I don't trade him for the cheaper, um, worthless stuff in life. Well, also to think about, I mean, we're all Barabbas, right? Yeah. In our sin, we were all on death row, destined oh. for hell. That's where we were headed. And Jesus comes in and exchanges us for him. Mm. You know, we are the ones that are set free, just like Barabbas. And yeah. Jesus is the one that goes and takes our sentence as well, because mm. he bore our sin. He paid the price. Um, he took on all of that wrath. He took the punishment that mm. we deserved. And so in a lot of way, I looked at, look at that, and it's just a reminder that says, man, we are all Barabbas. Mm. Uh, and that, that the um, holy and uh, righteous one would um, 
take our place as mm. well and not just Barabbas, but our place as well. So that's something that is, is humbling to yeah. think about, right? That he would do that for us. Um, and I totally relate to you about like, man, I would probably been hero worshiping Peter too, right? <sighs> right. You know, I had to keep my heart in check with that because like, mm. I mean, John Piper is my guy and like I, there's a point in time where like if John Piper came out with a new book, like I'd be more excited about reading that book than I am to sit down and read the word. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's a problem. Like that's a problem. And I think yeah. here's the thing. I think, I think there are pastors uh, that are meant to help us. And I think that's a good thing, but we have to guard our hearts to not hero worship mm. those people because they, because that's what, I mean, Peter says, Hey, it's not about me. It's not about me. Let's get our focus on Jesus. And I think we need to make sure to do that with whatever pastor that we really look up to or books that we love to read or who we really respect and say, you know what, they are good, but I can never let them take the place of what scripture should really hold mm. in my heart and my life. Amen. I and I, yeah, and I think that just requires a proper perspective because if we see God for who he is, <laughs> we're not going to put men on a pedestal, right? right. Uh, 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 an, uh, a powerful prophet like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six comes into the presence of a holy God. And he says, woe is me. I am undone for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Right. And it's not until he, his, his sins are atoned for when he has the coal put to his lips that he says, here I am, Lord, send me. And, uh, Paul Washer just has a good quote along this. I'm probably going to kill it, but he says somewhere along the lines of there are no great men of God. There are only weak, needy men before a holy and awesome God. Right. And I'm just right. like, man, that's so true. When you see God for who he is, you're, you're not going to really be tempted to worship man as much. Right. You know, one other thing that I really didn't get to draw out, out Sunday in this first part of this sermon is the way he really, in verse 13, remember, Peter's talking to a very Jewish audience. And so he's really wanting to connect with them who mm. Jesus is, which I think the why he prefaces what he says at the beginning, mm. the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus. I think there's this really big emphasis to this Jewish people to connect that the work of Jesus is connected to the God of the Old Testament, the God mm. of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God mm -hmm. of Jacob is the one that has doing that. Jesus isn't just some rogue guy out there doing his own thing, that there is this tight connection between God is the one that worked in Jesus. And this is why we need to listen to Jesus is because of the fact that he is connected to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I think he's really appealing to the Jew Jewish audience. And that's why I think in the second half of the sermon, why he spends so much time talking about all the prophecies that have been fulfilled. He is really wanting to drive home the point to his Jewish, Jewish audience of who the identity of who Jesus is mm. in relation to the Old Testament prophets to say, hey, this is that Jesus that we have been looking for. So don't neglect this. That's why the Old Testament is here is to point you to see, oh, yep, Jesus fits the bill. He fits the description. This is the Messiah that we're looking for. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, I just, and, and yeah, I love how he calls him his servant, right? God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus. Man, it almost has allusions to Isaiah 52, 
13, right? Before you right. get into that awesome passage right. in Isaiah 53, behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and he shall be exalted. And as many were astonished at you, his appearance was so, right? Like people were astonished at what happened to him. These are people right. who would have seen him crucified right. on the cross. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. And so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. And here we see that gospel, this what's being prophesied about this suffering servant is now being proclaimed right. in their midst right. before their very eyes. Right. And I think what was tough for the Jewish audience, I had someone explain this to me once that I thought was really, really helpful, that in the Old Testament, you had these prophecies of this kingly Messiah, this second David who is supposed to come. And then you had all these prophecies about this suffering servant. Mm. And a lot of the Jewish minds, they thought these were two different people. Right. And so that's why they had a hard time seeing that Jesus could be this Messiah mm. and the suffering servant at the same time. Mm. That like that didn't make sense to them. And I think what Peter is trying to do here is saying, no, Jesus is, is both of these things. He is the Messiah and the suffering servant mm. and trying to connect those things for the Jewish people to understand that. Mm. So anyway, uh, let's head into the to the last section, seventeen through twenty six. What did you What did you see in there? What was really helpful for you in in that section there? Um, man, uh, I think it's just significant that to recognize that man, so much of what they've done, you know, has been done in ignorance, right? That they they didn't recognize Jesus for who he was. Um, and that, and that man, like we do have to take that into account. Yes. Our, our sin is willful. Yes. We do it as wicked, but man, we've been deceived. Right. And a lot of us are acting in ignorance and rebelling against God without fully recognizing who he is or what we're doing. And I think I I just really sense his grace and recognizing that and, and pointing them back to Christ and calling them to repent and right. to turn back, right? Because right. that's where the gospel begins. We have to recognize that I am a filthy, wicked, defiled sinner who has rebelled against the holy God. And I, I love that as he's pointing out that this is the Messiah for the Israelites to recognize God's Messiah showed up and we killed him. They would clearly understand that they're deserving of the wrath of God at this point. Um, that the that the anointed one for Israel they slew. Um, that that this was wicked and that what they ought to do as a result is to repent, that they should turn back from their wicked ways, right? Um, To avoid the destruction that's waiting them um, for their actions. And and man, if that's not true for us today, for every single one of us, that because we, our sins have separated us from a holy God and they deserve his eternal wrath, the first thing we need to do is to recognize that and to turn to repent and to return to him to to turn from our wicked ways and to turn to jesus to find the forgiveness and life that is in him um so that times of refreshing may come um so that we'll be restored in our fellowship with god and eagerly look forward to the day uh when he returns right it says that uh, jesus um it says that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things. This is verses 20 and 21. Jesus is coming back. And right now God is extending the opportunity for us to repent and be forgiven right. so that when he returns, we'll be embraced by his grace, his mercy, his love, his kingdom, instead of being cast out from his presence as the just penalty for our sins and, and his wrath against them. 
Um, and so, man, it's the gospel. He's just right. laying out the gospel here, and it's it's the most important message that any person can hear. Right, yeah. I mean, after all the condemnation that Peter brought on the crowd, saying, you did this to Jesus, you did this, you denied him, you you killed him, you know, he could have brought the hammer down mm. at that point, right? Yep. He could have. And yet, what comes out of his mouth is repent and turn that your sins may be blotted out and times of refreshment may come to you. I mean, that is, that's like, that's almost scandalous in mm. some ways, right? To say, hey, here's what you've done. And yet here's what's still going to be extended to mm. you in light of what you've done. Man, that is, that is a beautiful picture of grace. Yeah. You know, to say, if there's anybody who didn't deserve grace, it's probably these people. And yet Peter says, there's grace for you. Mm. there's refreshment waiting for you when you come and repent. And I do, I mean, I, you know, I've, I just heard a lot of people say, I, I man, man, everything that I've just done, I just can't see how God could forgive me for all the things that I've done in my past. And they just allow their past to have this huge weight on them. And yet to look at this and go, but look there, grace can cover your past. Grace can cover your sins. Turn and repent so that you can be refreshed. Like you hear the weight in that moment, right? When they say, God can't forgive me for what I've done. They are weighed down by whatever it is that they're carrying when they make that statement. And yet Mm. Peter says, you know what? Repent. Mm. And you know what? The, the load, I, I think of Pilgrim's Progress, right? He's carrying that weight with him that's just, just, just pulling him down. And then he comes to the cross, and then that weight is just taken off of him. And mm. it's that beautiful picture. And that's what I think of when I think of this, that times of refreshment may come. That big, huge backpack of sin that is just weighing you down is just lifted off of you at that moment at the foot of the cross. Mm. Praise God. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree. It's it is a complete act of grace that is entirely undeserved, and right. we don't get. You're you're right. Like God shouldn't show that kind of grace to anyone, but He is literally that loving, that merciful, that kind. Right. That that's what He extends, and I think Peter is able to proclaim this so powerfully because people of grace are able to proclaim a message of grace that. Peter recognized the grace that God had on him right from the very beginning when Jesus called him, you know, he says, go away from me, Lord, for I am, for I am a sinful man, right? He recognized he didn't deserve to be in Jesus' presence. Um, And then he was a man who also denied Christ three times, right? And yet Jesus forgave him and ended up calling, you know, asking him, do you love me? Go and feed my sheep. Right, like right. he's renewing his calling to go and be, um, be, be the disciple, be the apostle whom whom God has called him to be, and because he's experienced that grace for himself, right. he can now go out and proclaim it to others. Man, are we a people who have so tasted and seen the glory of God that as we've experienced His grace in our lives, that we joyously go and proclaim His grace to other people right. because. Um, man, we're, we're beggars who have found bread and God right. in his undying graces has fed and provided for all of us. And now we go and proclaim that same message to others. Right. And to come back and keep eating that bread. 
yeah. to. I think that's the yeah. other important thing is that when we see, when we get so captivated by Jesus for seeing what he did, who he is and what he has done on our behalf, that, that he, that he has given this, like that, that should be the thing that, that like impacts you so much that you say, man, I, I can't get enough of Jesus mm. and I want to know more about this Jesus. You know, I want to know more about this Jesus, that he is going to be the one who's going to keep us until um, he has come back to restore all things. Mm. Like, he's holiness. Mm. Like, I want to know this Jesus more. Like, I had never really seen that verse 21 before. Mm. Like, this future working of our salvation, that Jesus yeah. is going to keep working in us until he restores all things. That that Jesus is going to keep working on us until he returns. Mm. And, like, I was like, oh, man. Jesus, you're so good. Like, I want to learn more of you. Like, I just want to come and sit at your feet, right? Like, Mary, I just want to sit at your feet and spend time with Jesus and learn more about you because I want to see more of Jesus. Mm. I want to see more of who he is. Um, because the more I see Jesus, the more I'm going to want Jesus, mm. I think. And the more I want Jesus, the more I'm going to want to see him. And I think there's just this effect that just says, I want Jesus to be the central thing in my life. So I just want to keep coming to Jesus. Mm. Amen. He's glorious for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, that's probably a good place to stop at here. Um, next week, uh, Pastor Ryan will be back with us, and we're going to be um, in Acts chapter 4. I believe we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 22. Another great passage that just continues to uplift and proclaim Christ. And so that's where we're going. And just would encourage you this week, man, what can you do to make Jesus central and supreme in your life? And just encourage you to joyfully just go hard after Jesus and that you would see more of him through that. So with that, we just hope you have a great week.